0: Well, good morning, Celebration Church. Everybody doing good today? All right, sweet. Speaking of my small group. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Um, I, I'll just, I'll keep, you know, even promoting small groups. I love small groups, and I love the summer ones where it's the focus is food and fellowship. Triple dipping is allowed. If you want to go to all three, please do. It's going to be great. Mine's going to be the best, but it's going to be great. So <laughs> sign up. Again, Sign ups are out there in the foyer. It's going to be a lot of fun, and um, there's just going to be a lot of food and fun games. My group likes to laugh a lot, so if you like to laugh, here we go. Um, as we get ready to dive in today, turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 119. Um, for most Bibles, um, Psalms and Proverbs are right in the middle. 100, chapter 119 is the longest chapter in Scripture, so you should be able to find it. And We're going to start in verse 89 in a little bit, and we're going to continue our series on following Jesus. Um, and I hope that as we dive into the series and that we started talking about what it means to follow Jesus and principles about following Jesus, um, my hope is that every day you, you apply something new. Every day you look into it and say, this is something I'm going to do and add today to strengthen my walk with Jesus and how I can follow him a little bit better. And ultimately through that, we'll learn more about how much of a loving father and creator he is and that um, he gave us an incredible tool called the Bible to bring us close to him. And I'm, I'm excited this week. I'm excited every week, but I'm real excited this week as we dive into uh, Psalms together to talk more about following Jesus. And we're going to talk about some verses in Hebrews as well. But let me ask you a question as we dive in how many of you guys here on your phones or even back in the day with MapQuest would rely on some form of map or GPS to get somewhere? Even today, I use GPS all the time. And a lot of times, I know where I'm going now. Now, when I first moved up here to Washington, I obviously didn't know anything. I learned on day two to stay off Meridian. <laughs> really, really fast. But, but, I, but I learned, I, I use my GPS, and it's not just for directions anymore. A lot of times, it's to know what to avoid. Um, there's One of my favorite GPS apps is called Waze. And, and Waze does the real-time traffic updates. It'll automatically reroute you if there's an accident. It tells you when not to speed because there's a police officer right there. Not that I speed anyways, but at least I know someone's gonna get caught, not me. It tells you where the traffic lights are, those ones on Meridian that everyone warned me about. Waze like, blares those on there, the, the traffic cameras and everything. But, but I love following my GPS to help me get from point A to point B. And we have this saying in our house, and we, we, we've said this for years, Don't argue with the GPS. Don't argue with the GPS. Sometimes we argue with the GPS. Very seldom does it work out. I'll say, you know, usually 99.9% of the time the GPS gets you where you need to go. Sometimes you do have that address that's off the beaten path and, and the almighty Google does not know what you're talking about, right? But most of the time, GPS works. It gets you where you're gonna go and even if it doesn't get you to that exact location, it'll get you to the area, like you're, you're in the right spot. But sometimes we argue with it, and things just go downhill from there. Um, one of my favorite TV shows is The Office. And I wanted to show a clip today, but I remembered last time I showed uh, a clip from a TV show, not here, but when I was at Creekside, um, YouTube and Facebook like, shut us down mid-service because they wanted us to pay for it. So I figured I'd talk about it instead. But there's a clip where Michael Scott is driving And Dwight, if you've seen the show, you know, Michael and Dwight are awesome together. But he's driving, and GPS tells him, you're going to turn right. And the map shows a veer right, but he decides, no, no, that's not right. It means turn sharp right. And they start arguing with each other. They start arguing with the GPS. Michael turns sharp right, contrary to what the GPS says, and he drives right into a lake. Like, right into it. He goes, the GPS was supposed to know where I was going. And it did, but he argued with it. And it totally got him off course, and there's a dramatic scene where they're in two feet of water, but they're kicking out the windows and scrambling, and Dwight's pulling them out, Michael, breathe, and they can just stand up, and it's only knee-deep high. But it's a hilarious scene, but it, but it all just goes into play, The what happens if we don't follow directions? Things go downhill, and we get ourselves into trouble. When we veer off the course, we run into unforeseen problems. I remember one time I was using GPS, and the, the route in front of me looked really bizarre, I knew where I was going, but again, I like to use it for traffic updates. But at this point, I was like, I'm only going to be on the freeway for two minutes and get off and get to my destination. But when I put in the directions, it had told me to take all these back roads for about 10 minutes to get where I wanted to go. I said no. I was not going to go back roads. I got onto the freeway and immediately realized what GPS told me to not get on the freeway. I sat at a dead stop for over an hour. There was an accident in front of me. It was a really, really bad accident, multiple cars, but the road had come stopped. They were not letting cars through, they were not letting cars around, it was not moving. Had I followed GPS, I would have taken the back roads, bypassed the accident, hopped on the freeway again for just a minute, and hopped off, but I decided, no, it's right here. I'm just gonna do what I wanna do, and it led to me being really, really bummed because I was very late for where I wanted to go. The app I was using knew the directions, it knew what was ahead, it was trying to get me from A to B so safe, so quick, so precise, and my own humanness and stubbornness made me late. I couldn't even blame the GPS for it It was my fault. If I would have taken an actual look at it, I would have seen the dark red line on the traffic route saying, no, nothing is moving here. But I didn't take a second to look ahead. I just did what I wanted to do instead, and it, things could have played out differently. But in that moment, I was not listening. I was not actively participating in the rules laid out right in front of me. It was all about me. I think when we read through scripture, we can, we can see this type of GPS in our lives. We, we can see a lot of insight on these are some, this is the direction you should go. These are decisions you should make. These are ways you can help yourself, and this is the ways the Bible can help you navigate through things. But sometimes we can look through it and say, actually, I read that, but I like this instead. And it doesn't really work out for us in the way that we hope it would when we start putting our own perceptive and our perception and our own desires into the path instead of letting this be the one, that's the book, the word of God that guides our path. Now, the Bible refers to this as being living and active. The Bible says that the Word of God is living and active, meaning it's not just something that's stagnant, something that is constantly doing work in your life, constantly giving you direction, constantly moving you somewhere, if we let it. And we're gonna look at some scripture today and how we can actively pursue scripture, how we can let this living and active word of God be that GPS for us and something that allows us to follow Jesus a lot better than we can on our own. So Psalms 119, we're gonna start in verse 89. And it says this, "'Your word, Lord, is eternal. "'It stands firm in the heavens. "'Your faithfulness continues through all generations. "'You establish the earth and it endures. "'Your laws endure to this day.'" For all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought your precepts. The wicked are waiting to, dest- are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I love the way David talks about his relationship with God and his passion towards the word. And, and Psalm, like I said, Psalm 119 is really, really long. And if we just wanted to read that one chapter, there'd be almost no more room for commentary in the context of a Sunday morning because it is so long. But this one chunk talks so much about the love for the word of God. And it reminds me to read and engage at, at this word on another level. It reminds me to, to dwell on it. This passage reminds me to really integrate the word into my life to see how it changes things and see how it shifts things. And it encourages me to move a lot of scripture from my head to my heart. And I know that when I move it from my head to my heart, it then comes out of my mouth. And it then comes into my hands and it goes into my feet and all aspects of what I'm doing and how I interact with other people. But for some people, and and even me at times, the, the thought of sitting down and just saying, all right, I'm going to sit down now and consistently just read the Bible. For some people, that thought is insane. Just like, I'm just going to sit down, I'm just going to read scripture. Or for some people, they would even say, this is boring. And, and I can guarantee you, if you decide to open up to a passage that's just going to read four, four paragraphs of just genealogy, you probably will get bored. Unless you know the context of what's happening there. But sometimes you can look at it and say, man, it's just, I just don't want to read this. This just looks boring. It's, try... Try telling a middle schooler or a high schooler, hey, instead of reading whatever your favorite series of the time is, you know, for a while it was Harry Potter the Hunger Games, hey, put those down and read the Bible instead. They would give you a crazy look. I mean, in, in those books, you had the, the, the magical stuff and then the, the Hunger Games, the fighting and the action and all the stuff. And then, then you say, I don't want to read about Jesus healing somebody. That's boring. But unless you actually dive into it, you can see that all these books of of fantasy and and fiction that we like to read, a lot of that is in scripture, only it's not fantasy or fiction. It's real. And it's really, really exciting. I was talking to um, a a family member of mine who we've been talking about his walk with Jesus or or lack of and just kind of what this looks like. And I was just recapping some stuff from the Old Testament. And I, I recapped in the book of Judges how one of the judges stabbed an evil king. And the evil king was so big that the sword got lost in his body. Exactly, right? Hugh. This is the Bible. And when I texted that to him, he goes, are you sure you're reading the same book we were raised on? Yes, it is exciting stuff to read, but sometimes we don't engage in that aspect of it. We don't engage in the excitement of what we can learn and the amazing stories of scripture. We, we can look at it as just a boring something else, a boring self-help self-help book. We can look at it as a chore instead of a privilege. Something as a, a requirement and not something that we are excited to do. I think people don't engage in his word because sometimes we look at it as a, a school textbook. When, when you say the phrase school textbook, it doesn't bring about exciting memories, right? You go to science class, open your chemistry book to chapter 5, it's like, oh gosh, here we go. Some people look at scripture that way. Open your Bibles to this and it turns into a big study book that they just aren't excited to dive into. Or people will say, you know, I should read the Bible because that's what a good Christian would do. So I, I should read. If I want to be a good Christian, I guess I should read the Bible. So so the real question I think we have to wrestle with then is how do you see the Bible? How do you see the Bible? And you can answer this question for yourself. I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand, but, but maybe you're here today and one of these resonates with you, or at some point it resonated with you. How do you see the Bible? Maybe you look at the Bible as a book of good morals. That's what it is, a, just a book of good morals. You can't argue with the morality, Jesus says some good things, but that's all you look at it as. A lot of good lessons in there, but that's where it ends. Or maybe you look at it as a book of fiction. And, and you read these stories and, and the miracles of the, the, in the Old Testament, the miracles Jesus did, and you say, this is a great fictional story, not real, but it's a fun read. Maybe you look at it as a historical textbook. You do view it as that, that book that you really maybe don't even want to dive into because it just reminds you of school and history. And if you're a history person, then, yeah, you, you like it. You like looking at the history stuff. But if you're not a history person, you look at it as boring. You know, I don't care about history. It doesn't relate to me anymore. Maybe you look at it as a boring lecture. Boring lecture, you can probably all pinpoint that one class or maybe more than one class in high school or college where it was, you knew you had to do it, but man, it was the most boring thing you ever had to do. Chemistry for me, boring. Or maybe, maybe you look at it as the living and breathing word of God. You look at it as something that is alive, something that has context, something that wasn't just written thousands of years ago for them, but something that is alive and working in your life today. But ultimately, however you answer this question, however you look at one of those, and maybe you can fill in your own line there on how you look at the Bible, but however you answer that question is going to change how you read it now, and it's going to change what happens after. How you look at it before you read it is really going to affect what you see when you read it and what you do after you read it. Maybe you look at it as just a, a list of rules and a manual that, that I'll only read it when I get stuck. I'm having a hard time. I guess I better look in Scripture to see what to do. But you never open it until then. And I think there are a lot of good books out there that do that. There are a lot of good books where if you're struggling with something, um, I, I'm not against what people call self-help books. I think there's a lot of good books out there that get people through a lot of good things. But I think the Bible is different. God's Word, I think, is different than every other book totally different than every other book. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is living and active and full of power. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. There's so much right here. I love that it says the word of God is living and active. It does something. It's not just a historical text. It is historical, but it's not just words. There's so much more to what it does. And we talk about it being the word of God. Like I said, it's not like other books. It's more. Even though there are good books out there, and uh, if if you're ever going through something in life and you say, hey, I would love a book that helps me deal with certain things, I have a lot of them. Maybe I could let you borrow one. I could point you in the right direction because I love to read, and I love to make myself better. But the Bible is more than a self-help or inspirational read. There's something active. There's something in every single word that can bring life into your life. The verse we just read says that it's living and active. It's not just passive. It's not just something that was. It's something that currently is. It's not just something that we get to look back on and say, man, thousands of years ago, good times, I don't deal with that anymore. As a matter of fact, the more you read the Bible, you realize, wow, this was written for me today. There's a lot of stuff that they went through then that I get to talk about today. In, in youth on Thursday, we, we had to differentiate this a little bit with the youth because we were talking about uh, you know, the Bible being relevant today, and one, one of the kids said, wait a second, does the Bible know about refrigerators? It's like, all right, no, the Bible didn't talk about refrigerators, but it does talk about self-preservation. Refrigerators preserve your soul. There we go. Boom, connection, all right? So yeah, we, we had fun with it. But, but the Bible does relate a lot to what we go through today. It's work. It's a work in our lives. And like I said, I didn't care for chemistry, but I did learn something in chemistry. Now, in chemistry, when we, we learned about chemical formulas and agents, we learned that when you put something together in a chemical formula, there was always an agent that introduced some kind of reaction. You would have your stuff together, and every now and then, you'd be like, all right, then we add one drop of whatever this is, and there would be the bubbling and the foaming, and something would happen in that vial of whatever you were mixing. That was called the activating agent, the Holy Spirit breathes his power into life in each and every word of Scripture. When we read Scripture, the Holy Spirit comes in. It is that activating agent in the words. It is that agent that, that translates it not just from words on paper, but something that it does something in your life. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, all right, you're reading this. Let me activate this now. Let me do something in your heart. Let me move in you now. So the words really do, don't, they, they don't just stay on the page. They really do come to life, and they start to resonate in your soul. It breathes power into every word. It's more than just good thoughts. It's been activated by God, which means it's going to produce something in your life that no other book can. The Bible gets to do this. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 will say this. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. And that means it's been given by divine inspiration. I mean, God has given these words to people to write down. It wasn't just people writing something down. It was God breathing this through people. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's profitable for instruction and conviction and for correction. This, is, this means it's God-breathing. It's profitable for you. It's going it's to tell you about your sin. It's going to open up your life. And, and God will say, hey, this is where we need to change. This is where we get to move. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts you of things and moves you forward through them. It's used for correction and for training in righteousness. This is this righteousness. This is learning to live in conformity to God's word. Living in conformity and moving on with him. Other books don't get to do that. The Holy Spirit gets to do that through the word of God. And it says, so that the man of God can be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Last week, we, we talked about how looking at Jesus from a distance was different than when you get up close and personal with him, right? Looking at Jesus far away, you, you can see something of Jesus and maybe have different perceptions of him. But when you get really close to him, that's when he changes your world. We talked about Zacchaeus and how he wanted to see Jesus from a distance, but then he got invited to dinner, and that dinner changed everything because he had that up-close personal relationship and new perception of Jesus. I think the Bible works the same way. There's life in God's word. There's life in this text, but if, you just, if it's just a book that sits on your, your desk at home or your office, or it's just on the shelf, and when someone comes over, you've got to go, oh, the, the pastor's coming over, and the dust comes off. All right, here we go. It's going to be different in your life. Because you're not letting it be active in you. There's something that's different when we choose to spend time in this word. And when we constantly engage, we're able to experience that daily transformation. But we've got to get up close. We've got to dive in. We've got to really examine what it's saying. The who, what, when, where, why, how. Do that all when you read scripture and then see how it transforms and what it means to you today. I think anyone who constantly engages experiences daily transformation. If you encounter the word and you see that it's living, That it will actively get into your mind. It actively gets into your heart and then into your actions and your habits and relationships. And then you start to experience this change agent of the Holy Spirit moving through words and actively engaging in your life. Psalm 119, 130 says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Now, some people, you may have grown up in, in a home that, that loved to read the Word. Maybe you grew up in a home that uh, you, you grew up going to church, and it was, it was a positive thing. And it was, you know, spending time in the Word was something that was modeled to you in life. But I know that wasn't everybody. That, that's not everyone in this room. That's not everyone in the world. Some people grew up in homes that were pretty dysfunctional. Maybe even um, homes that did read the Bible, but when you read the Bible at home, maybe it was something that was not a pleasant, fun thing. I know that I've talked with people who said that they grew up in a home where, where the Bible was more of, of an abusive text than it was. If you don't do this, then this will happen to you. Or we're going to read the Bible today because, man, if you don't, you are going to hell. And people start putting the conditions and they, they, start, they, start, they start teaching the Word of God as this angry and condemning text instead of a text that this, this beautiful love story of God throughout that takes pl- the course of over thousands of years and into today. And that can be a very dysfunctional way to look at it. And as a result, if if you grew up in a home that does that, what happens is the the, the home starts to feel far from God. And then we start growing up feeling far from God. And then we do that not just with God, like say we we put him at a distance, but we start putting his word at a distance. We start saying, yes, that's the Bible. But man, if I read that, it's going to hurt. And I just can't open the book because it's going to bring up painful memories. And it's nothing that I look forward to. Well, here's some good news no matter your past or current situation in your family, whether you had generations of, of maybe it was you know, spiritual abuse or, or dysfunction when it comes to reading the scriptures where it, it wasn't fun and you just looked at it as harsh and condemning, the good news is God will meet you where you are today and God can change you where you are today. This word is living and active, not just then, but it's living and active now. Everything can change when we decide to fully embrace what God has for us. We decide to fully embrace and move forward in him. It shifts everything. And it's so amazing to see God working in our hearts when we do that. But Now, when we engage in this experience, though, we can can understand the full value of what it means to have a living and active word in our lives. And I think this is exciting because the, the word of God is one of the primary places that I think we can hear God speak to us. Um, Sometimes a lot of people will will say, you know, like, I'm trying to listen for the voice of God, but I just don't know what he's saying. And something I'll ask, you know, I'll say, hey, how often are you reading scripture? I'll say, because that, I think, is one of the key starting points. Saying, hey, God, I want to hear your voice. He's got a lot of voice right here. A whole lot of it. And this is a great launching pad for I want to know how God speaks. I want to know how God moves. I want to really hear God in my life. Say, start here. Have some quiet time with God. Say, you know what? I'm going to sit down, I'm just going to start reading, and I'm going to start listening for God as I read. I want to, I want to, I want to experience what, it, what it's like when something jumps out off the page at me, when something I read hits me because I go, wow, this was written for me. This verse right was written for me. And I can guarantee you, this book, this whole book was written for you, was written for us. And there's parts of it that are going to hit everybody different. Um, I know I talked about the prodigal son recently. And if you go through all those stories, you know, the, the lessons I've done in the past you know, year and a half I've been here, you'll hear the prodigal son a few times because I love that story. But what I love about that story is every time I read it, I feel like I learned something new. A different line in the story stands out to me. A different part of the, of the verse jumps out to me. A different character I start to resonate with. And that's another part of the, what makes God's word so living and so active. No matter how many times you read a story, something different hits you. And that's because our lives change constantly, and something else always jumps out off the page. So no matter your situation, no matter where you are, no matter where you're going, well, that's Donald's not going to be happy about that, sorry. No matter where you're going, the word of God jumps off the page at you, and it has something for each of you. So talking about being engaged in it now, if you've ever wanted God to speak to you, you can start hearing from Him today. You can start hearing from Him every single day. There's a couple things I think we need to do to really, really tap into that. And the first one is this: consume it. Consume the Word of God. Really, really consume it. Have you ever uh, gone online, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, and you see those cooking reels or videos, just the real quick ones that show someone cutting up a, a steak or cooking, you know, making something that looks so delicious? What do you want to do when you see that? You want to eat it, right? I I have a whole section on my uh, social media page that I can click on, and I see recipes, and I see videos of just really, really good food. But when I see those videos, I just don't want to watch those videos. I want to start making those. Not the videos, but, you know, the food. I want to make the food, and I want to eat the food. As a matter of fact, one of our, our favorite meals that we eat at Christmas every year was inspired by a Facebook video. We found it, we saw it, we watched it, we eat it. We consume it, and it is so delicious. We, uh, I took um, Aurora and Avery to the, the fair last year, the Puyallup Fair, and we went, and if you've been there, you may have seen the cotton candy person that makes those massive animal heads out of cotton candy. You know what Avery wanted? To eat cotton candy. She saw that, it looked good, and we paid a ridiculous amount for it, and we ate the cotton candy. But it went beyond, it was so enticing to her that she had to consume this thing. And she took a picture of it, she got the piggy one, so she goes, dad, I'm gonna eat this big pig. And she destroyed that cotton candy so fast, and it was all over her face and her hair, and there was no regrets, it was amazing. But it went beyond just looking at it, she consumed it, and she loved it. When it comes to the word of God, we've gotta consume. We've gotta start consuming this word and bring it into our lives. And we look at the word of God as the bread of heaven. John 6, starting in uh, verse 28, says this. Then they asked him, 'What what must we do to the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. "'Jesus said to them, "'Very truly I tell you, "'it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, "'but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. "'For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven "'and gives life to the world. "'Sir,' they said, "'always give us this bread.' "'Then Jesus declared, "'I am the bread of life. "'Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. "'Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty.'" I think this is a powerful passage because Jesus takes something from the Old Testament and reaffirms this consistent truth into the New Testament. He said there's a connection between the supernatural bread that God sent the people in the desert with manna to the bread that he is in their lives today. He says Jesus is the bread. He is the sustaining life of heaven. The Bible says he's the word. He came, he is the word, and became God in the flesh to dwell with us. And when it came to consuming as we remember this. When, when you're at a dinner table, Something we always tell our kids and something you probably were raised to is polite, manners, don't go crazy. Well, I'll tell you, when it comes to consuming God's word, throw those out the window. Go crazy, consume it, tear into this thing. Don't, don't wait for somebody else to have their turn in that moment. If you're having your quiet time, go for it. Consume the word. Have your spiritual meal at, the, at God's table. Get as much of his word into your life as possible. And I would say consume the word like your life depends on it because, man, it does. Consume the word like your life depends on it because your life does depend on this. If you want strong relationships, see what the word says about relationships. If you're you're married and want to see your marriage grow, see what the word says about a healthy marriage. See what God says about this is what a marriage looks like. This is what a relationship, this is what a husband does. This is what a wife does. See what he has to say. If you're looking to raise great kids, allow the word of God to be your teacher instead of just the latest cultural parenting trends. Are you hoping for a healthier future? Look and see what God talks about health, not just physical health, but spiritual health. If you want to see your resources grow, see what God says about it. See what God says about about giving and receiving and blessing and serving and watch how God grows in your life. It's in the word, consume the word i think the principles of god's word are life and light to every area of our lives no matter what you're going through there's something for it in here and it will apply to you today and in a natural sense if if you when you get hungry what do you do yeah people said that like they were unsure it's not a trick question if you get hungry what do you do you eat that's like a no-brainer right i'm hungry i need to eat what happens if you don't eat you stay hungry, and eventually you die. If you, I mean, I, I hope no one gets to that point where I'm so hungry, but I'm just not going to eat, and then you die. That's just, that's bad. But your body is telling you something. When you feel hungry, you need to eat. You need to be, you need to get that energy. If you don't eat, you find yourself drained. You don't have energy to do normal things. You feel tired. Your body can't perform and do what it's supposed to do because you're not giving it its energy. Man, consuming the word of God will give you health and strength, just like natural food will, a spiritual health, a spiritual strength. And if we starve ourselves from this, we're going to find ourselves starving for something that only the Bible and the word of God can fill. We've got to consume it like we do food. Have you ever tried to change a habit? It can be really, really hard, right? You have a habit of not doing something or a habit of wanting to do something. Um, Sometimes you have to keep doing it until your mindset on it changes, or there's a new food that you're not used to, and sometimes it can take you a little bit to get used to eating that, saying, hey, this is healthy, I don't really like it. But then you start eating it, and it becomes a part of your diet, and you're like, all right, I can do this. It's, it's hard to change habits. Now, you develop an appetite for it, though, the more you get at it, and the more you see the benefit of doing it. Now, for me, a lot of people say I'm weird with my food. I don't like mayonnaise. It's nasty, all right? But I do like a food that a lot of people don't like. A lot of people don't like this, and I remember when I was a kid, I thought this was one of the most nasty things ever, and then as I got older, I started to like it, and I do like it. I, we, we buy them at Costco. We slice them up and eat them. I like beets. You see, yeah, there is, Oh, yeah. I like beets. I do. I really, really like them, but you know what? I'm convinced that when I was younger, you know, they had a bad rap, and they, they tasted weird, but as I got older, the more I consumed them as a part of making a, a, you know, a healthy salad, it became good, and now I really, really like them. I didn't always do, but the more foods I tried, the, the, now that I'm, you know, I've talked about me doing this healthier eating thing, I'm trying to get healthier, and be, I'm developing an appetite now for healthier eating, which I didn't have two months ago, but I'm starting to get it now. I had to do a, a shift in my mindset. I had to make an active change. Or maybe it's a lifestyle that you're adapting to. If I would ask myself two months ago, do I like working out? I say no. If you ask me, if you ask me now, do you like working out? I say, not as much. But I like the results, so I'm still doing it. I like what's happening, but it's a mindset you have to change. But two months ago, people would say, do you like working out? I would say, no, I lose my breath. I get flushed. I get red. I am allergic. This is an allergic reaction. (laughs) That's what happens, right? But now I'm growing into it, and I like it. I like what happens to it. The idea is growing on me more and more because I see what's happening. I found the Bible is like that. The more you consume the word of God, the more you you take this and put it into your heart and in your life, the more you can start to see the change and then you start to get an appetite for it. Then you get to the point where you say, man, I can't imagine not doing this. I can't imagine missing a quiet time with God because I see the benefits of it, because I see how these words are translating into my, my mind, my heart, my actions, and how the change is happening in my soul and it's God working in your heart, not just the text of a book, but his words from his book moving in your life. Consume the word of God. And then second, let it consume you. Don't just consume the word. Let the word consume you. Let what's written in here become all-encompassing in your life. There's a verse in John that shows us and calls us to be consumed by the presence of God in his word. Not just, don't just allow Jesus to, to visit you on Sundays at church, but invite him into your everyday walk in life. John 15, 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I love this chapter in John, and I love this visual that Jesus is trying to to help us get a hold of. He's saying he doesn't just want us inviting him over for a visit. He wants us to invite him over to be a fully active, engaged part of our life, to move in with us and have his place in our everyday life. Another way uh, that's important to talk about God's word living in us is the Bible used the parable of seeds often, talk about seeds being planted and seeds being sown. Jesus refers to this as the, the word is bread, but another key thing he said is my word is a seed. And many people maybe don't get the benefit of seeing the seed from God's word because you're not taking the time to plant it into our lives. If you've ever planted a garden or planted something from seeds, you know that you don't just put it in the dirt and then walk away, you've got to tend to it, Right? You've got to water it. You've got to take care nurture it. And when we started planting a garden in our house, the first year that we had done tomatoes, I remember watching these things grow, and I'm impatient when it comes to plants, so I bought the early girl tomatoes, right? They're advertised. Tomatoes in 30 days. But I remember when we first saw that thing growing and first saw the little buds start to come, we knew we were doing something right. We knew we were watering them, we knew we were feeding them, and then we got to see that the fruit started to produce off of these plants. And then what happened uh, for years after this, we started getting, you know, a little more brave. Now we're going to plant bell peppers, now we're going to plant jalapenos, and we started growing. Then we planted mint and learned really, really quick, put that in a pot, because it's going to take over everything. But the more we cared for these things, the more they grew. And the more we cared, the, the better water we started using, the, the better fertilizer we started using, the more we, we trimmed off the dead spots, the more fruit they produced, the more we cared for these seeds, the more we saw the change and the productivity in them. I think when we look at God's word as that seed that we, that we plant in and we take care of it, we water it, we keep coming back, we, we take care of ourselves as we're reading, we start to see the fruit produce in our lives. And it's not our fruit, it's the word of God that is growing. And that is so, so cool to see. And I know that when we wanna see things grow, that's what we're gonna plant. You will plant what you want to grow. If you plant seeds in your life that are consumed with fear, you, you plant seeds of anxiety, you plant seeds of insecurity or lust or lies, you start feeding things in your life that feed into those, you know what's gonna happen? That's what's going to grow. If, if, you, if you keep going to your computer and looking at things you know you shouldn't look at, you're watering that seed, and that seed is going to grow in your heart. But when we start looking at the word of God as a seed we wanna grow, that's what we're gonna plant, we see that growing in our hearts instead. We can't come in contact with the word on an inconsistent basis and expect to be fully changed by it. We've got to keep watering. We've got to keep reading. We've got to keep consuming and let this start to consume our lives as well. When we plant God's word in our heart, we will see some incredible fruit start to produce. The word of God is it's so living and so active. It's it's work at it work in all these areas. And I love that in scripture we see so many things that God does and how it transforms your life. Now, I'm going to fly through a lot of these because there's a lot of them. But here are some ways that you can see God when it consumes you. When this, when this Bible jumps off of the pages into your heart, these are things that it does in our lives. We learn that, one, the word of God is living and active, and it's saving your soul. We see God coming in and save your soul. James one twenty one says this. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. And the word of God is so good. And when we see the words of God, it translates into our love for the Father and he's the one that saves your soul. Not a self-help book, not the actions we take. God is the one who saves and it's written in his word. It's renewing your mind. Romans 12, one and two, we've used this one consistently, but it's so good. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the word of God transforms your life. It renews your mind. It allows you to make that whole switch from doing what you want to do to what God has for you to do. It transforms your life. It's sustaining your body. Hebrews 1.3 says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and is the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I mean, God's word sustains you physically. Second, it's strengthening your spine. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. It gives you strength and courage. When when you see the things that that people were going through and how God has moved in them, you can say, man, I've got the strength to go through this. I have the courage to go through this because I see God not giving me fear, but God giving me courage and strength to get through things. We see that it's stabilizing your steps. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The word of God will allow you to see where you're supposed to go. It'll illuminate a path where you can eventually get to a point where you say, all right, here's what I want to do. Here's what God's word says to do. This way, I can see what God is trying to do. I can see the benefit of what will happen if I go this way versus if I go my way. His word will light your path. And lastly, it's empowering your life. Isaiah 55, says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I and mean, God's word's empowering. God's word is inspiring. God's word is all-consuming. Don't just consume the word. Let it consume you. If, if you've been doing the, the, the Bible app with me, I think to, uh, the, the Bible chronological in a year, I think today is the day, one, day 142 of going through it. And I, I love that 142 days in consistently of doing this plan, I can't imagine not doing it now. If if you want a tip on how, how to dive into the, the Bible of where do I start, find a reading plan. Don't don't just jump in if you if you haven't spent time in it before, don't just go, all right, I'm just gonna start and go for it. Find a plan. Find something that's gonna work for you. The the Bible app on YouVersion, you know, the, the main app that most of the world knows, a little brown picture of the Bible, that has so many plans in it that are great launching points for someone. If you've never read the Bible before, type that in, plans, if you've never read it, there's a plan for it. You want to read through it chronologically, not just cover to cover, because there's a lot of books that take place before books and after books. There's a plan that will take you through chronologically what's happening. Find a plan that's consistent, or find a plan and consistently stick with it. I know that, like I said, 142 days in, I'm so excited to do day 142, then a day 143, because it's become such a part of what I'm doing now, I can't imagine missing a day. I look forward to it, I'm excited for it, and when I read through it, I get to talk with other people that are doing it and see, what did God say to you in this passage? What is God saying to you so far? How is this going to change? How are we going to let this consume us now as we are consuming it? Find someone to read with. Find a way to get engaged. But man, let the Bible be something that is living and active because it is. Let it actively work in your heart and in your life. Consume it. Allow it to consume you. You'll begin to notice the word of God taking root in your life. You'll begin to see those seeds plant. And you'll begin to see it work saying, wow, this is happening because I've made God number one. And I'm investing into him. I like how Jeff said uh, when he's doing announcements, I dare you to outgive God. man. I dare you to try and outconsume God. Let him consume you and watch his word do an amazing work in your life. I'd like to invite the worship team back up today. But as we, as we wrap up this week, I think it, it's key to know that while his word is living and actively working in our life and in for you, it's also been given to us to draw hearts closer to him. And when we talk about watering that seed, what, what, I, what I really hope is that, here's my small group plug again, get involved in a small group Get involved in a group that's actively pursuing and watering and, and fostering seed growth. If you're relying on a 35-minute a sermon I've gone 45 before, I'm sorry but if you're relying on a 35-minute sermon once a week to be the seed that you need to grow for everything God wants you to be, I think you're missing the point. We need fresh bread daily. We need to daily dive into his word. In the Old Testament, God gave his people manna, manna daily. He said, don't take what you're going to use tomorrow. It's going to be spoiled. I think God was giving them an important lesson then. He was saying, I want you to rely on me daily for what you need. Don't try and cram it all into one serving. Don't try and cram it. I'm going to read my Bible for four hours today, and that's going to cover me for a month. Don't do it. Daily dive in. Connect with people outside of Sunday. Connect in a small group, my small group. Dive in. Let the word of God consume you and see how he works in your heart. Amen? Would you stand with me? God is good. And I I love hearing stories. I got to talk to a couple people this week who shared with me how God is moving in their heart. And I tell you, more than someone saying, hey, pastor, that was a good message on Sunday. I, I appreciate that. I do. But more than that, I love it when someone says, hey, God is doing this in my life. I, was, I, I listened on Sunday. I read this on my own. This is what God is doing in my life. That fills me up more than anything. So share those stories with each other. Share those stories with me. Let it be evident how God is consuming you. Share with others how you're consuming him. And let's build each other up and watch God build us up as a body. Amen? God, you are good. I thank you for your word that is living and active and so powerful and wonderful. God, I pray that, that we dive into this thing daily. We see how it is living. We see how it's active. We see the change in our hearts because we choose to consume you, God. And in turn, we let your word consume us. I thank you that, that you, you sent your son for us, God, that you consume us with your love daily. And I pray that daily we seek you and we see how you can change and work in our hearts. We thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.